Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. We're refer- we are uh, this week on Monday, September 27th, returning to original form. I, you just found out last week I had to do that podcast all by myself. Yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah. Cool. It wasn't a... Uh, what, I mean, it was kind of, it was just a, out of necessity kind of thing. So what do you do? You sit in front of a mirror and just like act like you're talking to somebody? Yeah, I would, I would say one part of the conversation and then I would run around to the other side of the table and put a set of headphones on and I would pretend I was you and I would speak in a thicker southern accent and answer my questions. Oh. It was, that episode was the nicest you've ever been to me. <laughs> well, it wouldn't take much. <laughs> Somebody got to keep the boy humble. Yeah. We can circle back around to everything that happened in between here and there and all the mishap, miss, all the things that happened in New Mexico while I was away that I didn't get to see. Yeah, you missed half the hunt. Yeah. And then while me and Will were hiking in Arizona, that's all it turned out to be was just a, we were hiking and Wilbur just happened to be carrying a bow. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on several turkey hunts like that. Yeah. We've been on a couple of elk hunts like that, too. Indeed. Um, all right, housekeeping items before we get into the what's going on at hand. Uh, so we announced the winners for the Onyx T-shirt giveaway that we did on here. Daniel Halfacre and Caleb Smithson, mm-hmm. uh, both of which have already reached out to us, and we will get the shirts on the way. So if y'all are wondering about that, there's that. Thank you for all that participated. Um, and you don't have to stop writing reviews on iTunes just because. I think we'll, we'll kind of. I think we should keep the incentive going some way or another because it's kind of one of those deals. I don't really understand why that helps, but it does. So the algorithm. Algorithms. I didn't even know what an algorithm was till about a year and a half ago, and but I realized it's very important. Yeah, I still don't really know what it is. I kind of understand what it does. Yeah, I think uh, the more people that engage with you, the more they like you on the social platform. Something like that. Yeah. The more the social companies like you. Mm-hmm. 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 In a nutshell. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the the also the game of racks giveaway. Uh, as as we stated today is Monday, September 27th, which will be the same day of the release of this episode. Um, I know if you entered the Game of Racks giveaway, you're probably wondering when that will be announced. Right before we started recording this, they were talking about how they were going to handle that. But, um, yeah, that will all be announced very soon, and they'll figure out who the winner is and get all the goodies and everything like that. The um, Amco giveaway is still going on. It runs through October the 1st. Um, so you can check that out on their Instagram or Facebook page. Still have new episodes of Primo's, both uh, new episodes and Primo's Classics coming up on the YouTube channel. And we still have new shows airing on the Outdoor Channel. I think this is actually the last week of new shows on the Outdoor Channel. Or it may be over with. I think last night may have been the last show for the, the last new one. Last new one. Last last night was Togo. Yep, I'm pretty sure. Would that be the last one? Pretty sure. Okay. Yep, and then they'll start over again for the next thirteen weeks, and then the first week of January, here comes new ones again. Here comes them new stuff. <clears throat> that good, good new stuff. Um, so yeah, but we still got new stuff heading into, uh, what you call it? Don't we got new YouTube stuff still? I've got new uh, classics or throwbacks. Yeah. And uh, it's probably getting pretty close to the last of the new episodes. New episode. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. 
gotcha, time gotcha. is flying by. Gotcha. So um, I've got just a, in my opinion, just a banner of an embarrassment story. From you? Not from me directly. Okay. It was a story that was not sent in. I witnessed it get told. I'm going to keep all the names anonymous, but I'm te- I, I, I laughed so hard at this story. Like it just, and it's it's different, you know. Like we, everyone that we've told so far, primarily happened in the southeast. Even the ones that had to deal with fishing or the guy with the skunk and all that stuff or whatever. This is not a southeast story. Right. This happens on a coos deer hunt. Okay. Which so, Arizona. Yeah, I'll let you alone know right there. No, it's not a southeast story. It's a southwest story. So, <laughs> so this guy. It's on a coos deer hunt, and I I am very uneducated on the subject of hunting coos deer, so they're kind of like explaining to me part of the processes. I know there's a lot of glassing involved, typically, so on and so forth. Um, this is a rifle hunt too. I should add that in. And so this guy, and apparently this is common procedure. It's him, and he's got a few buddies with him, and they're all taking on the task of glassing for this buck, right? So um, I'm guessing they had found a big one or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they found one. I don't think they knew of one in particular, but they're out that day and they find one and they're like, "That's one that we want to shoot, right?" Mm-hmm. And so they start maneuvering. Um, I think he said where where they had to get to get a shot off at the buck. They had to get up, get back on the rim, travel down that rim, and then drop back on the the opposite facing side. So they're looking across the opposite face of a canyon. Right. So there's a canyon in between them and this coos deer. Um, and anyhow, and apparently it was like a, it was a long, long shot and a very large coos deer. Um, and so the, they do what they got to do. Their buddies are glassing them. He gets all set up on his gun, shoots, drops the deer and the celebration commences. Right. So, I mean, he's, he's killed this very large coos deer buck and you know, the immediately, you know, that the, they're still celebrating, but they're taking like, all right, we got to get over there because, apparently this is like when i say a canyon like this is a canyon like it's gonna take them a while just to get down and come back up just right. to get to this buck probably like three or four hundred yards across like as an air flight right as a crow flies probably like a mile down and up yeah a down and up through rocks and it's gonna it's gonna take a while probably a couple of hours and so the guy who shot the buck is he's getting his putting his pack together getting everything back together together and he says that he hears one of his buddies say they're talking about you know they're high-fiving they're rehashing the hunt and the glass in and you know how you'll get in a situation sometimes an exciting situation or whatever but you're, you're you're doing something and you're so focused on what's going on in front of you that you can hear somebody say something and it's like you hear it but it takes you a few seconds to like react to it. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened here. He says he's putting his stuff together. And he hears one of his buddies go, "Yeah, and I can't believe I found a fire extinguisher on the ground." And he says he hears it, but he keeps packing his stuff up. And he goes, about the second he's, and then he hears the sound of a can getting shook. You know, like you'd shake a can of spray paint. You know, just sh- 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 just shake. And he turns around, and he sees his buddy holding this as so-called fire extinguisher little red canister and he pulls the pin on it and points the fire extinguisher 
between they're kind of standing in a circle the three of them yeah. in, in close proximity and the guy decides that not only is he excited that he found this fire extinguisher but he is now going to pull the pin and shoot it directly into the ground i guess just to see what the fire extinguisher does <laughs> and he says soon as he like hears it and recognizes that statement of like fire extinguisher spins around sees him sees him pulling the pin and is in the process of going no because he realizes it's not a fire extinguisher it's bear spray oh god <laughs> and so he pulls the pin and just releases the fury of this bear spray pepper spray pepper spray pretty much yeah so this stuff like if you're if southeastern my southeastern brethren if you're unfamiliar with what bear spray is, the only reason I kind of know what bear spray is is because I've traveled out there a few times. I've heard folks talk uh, about it. It's pretty it, much the same thing. You can buy at Academy to go in like a girl's purse. Yeah. Like this stuff, this stuff is designed to like knock a grizzly, a charging grizzly bear back five feet. Yeah. Like strong stuff. And <laughs> the guy, and he, he explained it as they're standing like almost kind of like a football huddle, close proximity. Oh, gosh. And he just, just blows in the ground. And the guy said he just watched the cloud just overtake him. And he t it said it took an hour before he could open his eyes. Oh, gosh. It was so bad. He said he was <laughs> over there dry heaving, puking. And he's telling this story. I'm, I'm crying laughing because it <laughs> – Oh, we it, all got that one buddy. That's what he said. He said, that, I was like, just the fact that that guy was like, yeah, I can't believe I found a fire extinguisher. We <laughs> found a fire extinguisher, <laughs> all right. And he said they were both, obviously, him and the, his other friend that were on the, like, most receiving end were pretty pissed off at this buddy. You yeah. know, like, dude, what were you thinking? It's and more he like said, a fire starter in your eyes. <laughs> And they said he kept saying, it got me too, because it kind of, I mean, like, he kind of got a little, like, backdraft, but he didn't get, like, they got full on just, oh, God. just bear sprayed. Mm. So that's the embarrassment story of the week. Man. <laughs> uh, you can take a tip from that. If you find a fire extinguisher in the woods, don't spray it. If you're, like, here's, here's another one. Like, unless there's a fire, there's no reason to just... Even if you think it's a fire extinguisher, just there's no reason to just. Yeah. That's what I said. It's like, what was his goal? Just to see what it looked like? He was like, I guess. I mean, he just. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, that whole went from like excitement, kill this big coos deer, let's get this hike down and get him out of here, to I've got bear spray in my face. Mm. That's a good one. That's rough. <laughs> so, anyhow. Um, yeah, the embarrassment stories have kept us entertained. Uh, if y'all if y'all would like to be featured uh, for an embarrassment story, you can send those in to Primo's Hunting Podcast at gmail dot com, or you can send them in um, Instagram Messenger, Facebook Messenger, whatever. Uh, but yeah, keep those coming. They've been very entertaining. Um, so, what happened? Like into the the gut of today's conversation, I guess. Like, what happened immediately after I left New Mexico? Like, Man, right after I left, you had killed. As soon as you left, we started having fun. Oh, okay. That's how this is. <laughs> no, uh, Brad started hunting right after you left. And, uh, man, I'm trying to think. You know how it all, we were out there for, like, 14 days. So it, it all, all runs, runs together. Runs together. I think Brad hunted for one or two days before he killed one but it seems like let's see 
I got to back up and think about what all we did. Okay. I know y'all sent me that picture. So, so, we shared that picture of him with all that, that herd in front of him. Yes. The, that first morning he started hunting, we went to the spot where we found all the elk with you where you had, I think, two within within 50 yards or, you know, 55 yards that morning before you killed. And uh, it was just elk everywhere in those woods. And uh, we wind was different that day, so we decided to come in from the bottom of the mountain. And... Uh, We'd be bopping across the prairie and uh, kind of paint a picture for y'all. You gotta, you have to travel like 15 miles across this wide open buffalo country is the best I can describe it. Yeah. It's just grasslands. And then you get to the base of the mountain. Anyway, we were bebopping across there. No, I'm lying. We hunted the day before there. The day y'all left, we hunted the other side of the mountain. Okay. So, uh, and we found all these elk that late that evening. And Brad and I were glassing them across the valley. We were like, we need to come up through there in the morning. Hopefully, they'll still be in there because elk are elk. They can move miles upon nights. Yeah. Uh, we come across the prairie that morning, get to the base of the mountain, get right up in the trees in the truck, and I start seeing elk, you know, like six, 800 yards up the valley there. Yeah. Well, we stop and get out. And we got to walk a couple hundred yards across the prairie because we don't need to drive trucks any farther. Kind of got pinched down there, mm-hmm. you know. It was like, yeah. well, we got to get out here. They're going to see us if not. Anyway, we uh, get out of the truck and start bebopping up towards this old dried-up lake bed. And right about the time we get to where we got somewhat cl- cover, we start seeing more and more elk popping out of the woods. Mm. And... Uh, they're probably 400 yards from us at this point, but they're yeah. coming down towards us where that old lake bed is because there's a water hole there. Yeah. Like, man, this could work out good. And uh, Brad gets on within about 40 yards of the water hole, finds a tree to sit under, which y'all have seen that picture yeah. of him sitting under that tree with all yeah. those elk. We shared it on the stories, I think. Yeah, but me and Slade were behind him. Like, this was position, like, it is terrible calling set up. Like, behind me probably too open behind me there's 400 yards of openness yeah you know so i'm like 50 yards behind brad i mean there ain't no calling being done like you can't they're, yeah. they're not it's not gonna work all you do if you call which it again like i don't know how many times you've seen like, as far as like common mistakes go people get in that situation and they're so tempted to call because they're like we're gonna pull them on in no not like, on those big herds, like, you, man. It's like yelping to a turkey that's got 25 hens. Well, even if it's a one, like more than likely that one's going to look over there and go, I can see. There's no elk there. Or he's going, I should be able to see that cow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, anyhow, carry on. But uh, I'm about 50 yards behind Brad up in a in a cedar tree. And the good thing about where I'm at, I can see up the ridge where the elk are coming from. Brad can't because he's down in the hole by the water. Right. So I'm kind of sitting back there. I can do hand motions to Brad, like what the elk are doing. And, uh, dude, when I tell you there's 200 elk that start coming out of the trees, yeah, there's 200 elk that start coming out of the trees coming right at us. I'm like, this is awesome at one point. And then on the second hand, this like, this is going to be hard what to pull off. What are we going to do? Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like having, uh, say, a gobbler that's got, 50 60 hens with him like what are you going to do yeah you ain't gonna do nothing but sit there and watch him and hope he comes in range you're gonna sit back and watch the show and see if luck just brings him close that's what you're gonna do and dude there was three herd bulls in this bunch 
that were like superstars. Yeah. One, was one of them the one? One that, of them was the one you had at 52 two days prior. Yeah. And he's he's one of the biggest elk I've ever seen out there. Like he's a 350 to 360 minimum. I said that. Like I, I didn't hold – like you could go back and listen to my – solo podcast like i didn't cut myself any slack i, I said that some folks will watch that footage and think you're absolutely crazy i just couldn't do it yeah uh, this this sucker is beautiful i mean there's two bulls in the bunch that are like if he wasn't in there with them you're like those are good bulls yeah i mean they're 340 to 345 inch herd bulls big ones yeah. and then i see this one come out of the woods i'm like wow he's bigger than we even thought he was yeah and uh He's and, big. Like he's he's a giant for out there. Oh, that's he's a giant, giant anywhere. anywhere. I don't care. Especially yeah. for where we hunt, because that's not known for just big giant bulls, bulls everywhere. You know. Yeah. And uh, it's not a. It's not like you hear about Arizona or certain parts of New Mexico. Right. Right. Uh, anyway, my, man, I started watching these these elk 150 yards from me at this point, and Brad still can't see them because he's down the hill. And uh. That lead cow, I see her make the move. She's looking down there towards the water, and then she starts walking that way. And I'm like, this is fizzing to get crazy. And these bulls are just going absolutely nuts because, I mean, yeah. it's three. they're trying to fight, and there's satellites running around and drag horns. I mean, it's absolute chaos. It's the spectacle, yeah. Like, Which I've never, I've seen that, but I've never seen it in an open setting like y'all saw it in. Brad said this is, he's been elk hunting for 28 years. Yeah. I think is what he said. And that's the second time he's ever seen that within that close. Yeah. You know. You know what I'm talking about? Like when me, you and Walker had that good success, that was going on. Yeah. But it was in all that timber. So you could kind of see it and kind of not. I've never seen that happen and just out in the open. So. Like that's pretty wild. So all these cows start running down the hill towards the water because what the thing about elk once they make up their mind where they want to go they're going yeah and these cows take off towards the water and they're they run by brad at like 60 yards and this like belly flop into the water like 30 <laughs> of them and then you know the lead cow comes so all the rest of them start filing behind her right. and at one point there's 150 200 elk within 100 yards of brad and these two, the biggest bull never did come down the hill. He had him a little group of cows, whatever. He he didn't come out there with messing around with him other bulls. Yeah. And uh, these two other bulls, there's one's a six by seven. There's a seven by seven. Jeez. Like one of them's a seven by seven with like double double force. <laughs> like he's ridiculous looking. He's a big bull. And uh, man, they go to squaring off, like trying to fight, and out there just absolutely like bugles i've never heard before yeah like, ah! Hollering like, at like each other. mad bugles yeah and dude they'd run at each other i'm sure you've seen videos of like bighorn sheep how they'll run and stop like, yeah. before they crack heads like false charge each other dude they were doing that within 60 yards bread that's crazy and at one point the seven by seven was at 45 yards but they were going like moving around fighting and chase trying to fight and chase and like brad's like there's no way I can shoot. Like, by the yeah. time I get my pen on him, he's Moved. 15 yards different because yeah. they're just running around nuts. Yeah. And that went on for an hour. <laughs> and finally, like, the elk moved back up the hill where I first saw them, or some of them did. A bunch of them are still at the water. And that 7x7 seven seven is coming back down the hill to check those cows again that are in the water. Yeah. And at this, at this time, he's going to be – 40 yards coming by brad walking straight to the water i'm like he's finna get a shot 
and one of those cows finally had enough they had figured something out didn't look right under that pine tree and she barked mm. and they didn't all just run off or anything but it was enough to keep them at that out of the shooting range. they were all at that point knew something was up and yeah. they were all keyed man up. it was the craziest thing i'd ever seen in my life i hate that sound it's the worst sound yeah the barking noise brad was like within 30 seconds of getting a shot at seven by seven but it is what it is we i mean we had you think that many elk you're like somebody's gonna get a shot yeah or, you know, he's gonna get a shot but just being realistic about it is so hard oh, you got so many is. eyeballs it's hard to draw it's hard to you know do anything without forcing it yeah yeah which is not not the play and those bulls running around like that i mean the way they were moving even if he'd have got a shot at 40 yards there's a chance that that bull you know as soon as he shoots he takes off running yeah you know because that's that's a good point when i've when when i've seen them like that they're so keyed up you don't see a lot of like gradual movements everything's like they're just they're they're like they're so keyed up they're just like jumping around almost it was the craziest thing i'd ever witnessed that close i mean it was that's cool it was unbelievable it was one of those things you don't witness very much no yeah I, i couldn't imagine one thing that's that's interesting like i know we've talked about like i don't know when we're talking about like size of antlers and stuff in terms of like whitetails you'll hear a lot of folks and we've talked about it a lot is you'll see like these real like dominant elk or whatever or deer we'll talk about deer yeah and you can have like a like a five-year-old whitetail that's like the man of the house and he doesn't have if you're if you're worried about inches he doesn't have many inches on his head and there's a three-year-old that has bigger antlers than him and he's bullying, but the five-year-old was bullying him around. A lot of times it's – not all the time, but, like, from my experience, more often than not with elk, it is like a, the size of their antlers is a, is a pretty good depiction on of how old they are or how dominant they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. More, not all the time. Like, I know not all the time. But more often so than deer, I feel like. Yeah, so yeah, you know I would, what I'm saying. I would agree with that. A lot of times, those you see a big old bull, he's usually gonna be a herd bull. Exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah. And I mean, I have seen those like a, a, a an outlier would be like that five by five that Will killed a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Scoring wise, he probably wouldn't have scored that much compared to a six by six. Which me, it's like, who cares? Wow. But and he was the but. When someone said, like you said, you talk about herd bulls, you saw herd bulls, they were all 340 inches and bigger. It's just, it's yeah. funny how that works. It's more consistent in elk, it seems I will like. tell you this. Uh, so, Brad killed the next day on a different side of the mountain, and it was an awesome hunt. It looked I mean, like it from dude, the screenshots I saw. We got up in these elk. I mean, we've, we've got in on there before, so it's like, you got Brad and Troy that have been hunting this place for a long time. Yeah. And especially like Brad, he's like, this is where we need to go in. This is how we have done it before, and it's worked. Yeah. So you're like, okay, let's do that. Because a lot of times he's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it comes from hunting a place so many times. It's like hunting your deer camp. Yeah. You learn how deer move. You learn how they enter a food plot. Same way with this. I mean, they've hunted those mountains. We counted up. They're right, 17, like, 18 yeah, years. Yeah, almost 20 years. Yeah. Right at it. Anyway, we get on the, the next day after the big craziness. We uh, we hunted rest that day and didn't rather ever get close again. And uh, 
the next day we came in the other side of the mountain because the wind had shifted and as soon as we were going up the mountain we could hear elk bugling up there just another party like yeah. the day before but they were more spread out which is good for hunting like you got a better chance of calling one up if they're spread out over mm-hmm. you know a half mile and uh we get up there and we're uh brad and i are calling as we go see if there's some outliers you know that are just bedded up waiting on at the real rut to get there like cows come in heat right so at that point maybe one or two cows came in it's just enough to get the boys excited yeah anyway we start calling we hear these elk right up the hill so brad gets set up i get behind him and uh, start calling and all of a sudden a cow starts running across the prairie straight to us to the right and there's a bull behind her a little guy anyway that sucker comes running up walks within six eight feet of brad and troy <laughs> i mean it's close yeah anyway that goes by and the elk seem like they're moving up the hill a little bit so we kind of i walked back over to brad and um uh, i think he cow called while i was walking up there and a bull answered like 150 yards in front of him so me slade and jason go running backwards like i'm sprinting get behind brad because this bull he's pretty he's close enough to come if we get in the right spot to call him through right and um start calling he starts coming and um he ended up going down the hill the way the bull just came from with the cow and where i was it would not like the bull ended up going under a rock face and brad couldn't shoot him so brad turns around to me or troy turns around to me and says get over to the left get over to the left and uh i start sprinting to the left about 75 80 yards hoping to pull the bull straight through brad and troy yeah and uh no i had not got any sooner ran over there i was huffing and puffing and like i cow call one time this bull answers like he's 100 yards and he's coming and like i just turn around look where i heard him from i can see him coming hmm. and it wasn't 20 seconds a sucker walked from 10 yards in front of brad and it cr- it's so crazy how like how geographically accurate they respond to they, calls they can come to the i mean they know where you're where you're sitting yeah. at when you call if they're 200 yards away yeah. they're gonna come to that tree it's insane yeah like it's it's really is it's crazy it's just like i mean when we hear a elk or whatever we can like he's basically he's right within in a here. 50 yard range right yeah. there well they're they can pinpoint it to the feet yeah I mean, I've seen them do it. Like, you'll call from a spot, and then you back up or whatever, and if you don't call again, they're going to that they're spot. They're going right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. within within a couple of feet of where you called from. And it's so – I mean, it works good for calling them, but, I mean, they're so keyed in on that that they, they've you can pull them those certain directions. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Yeah. And uh, so the next day, Troy started hunting, and uh, we were trying to get back in that same group of elk, and, man, we had so many close calls that day, but it was just like a little lull period in a rut like yeah. the bulls would respond to you bugling wise but they just wouldn't come in real uh aggressive i guess or yeah. uh, some different like confident i guess they would mm-hmm. let you know they're there but they're not ready to come they're like taking a break or something i don't know mm-hmm. and uh anyways uh we hunted all that day i think shoot i bet we had five or six close calls with troy with bulls within 100 150 yards that i filmed and um called up some younger bulls like came by us in bow range and the next day we went back um hunting on the same mountain but on the other side where we started with brad having all those elk real close yeah. a few days prior yep. and uh 
we got there early that morning cold snap came through it was like 45 degrees it was nice mm-hmm. and uh got on the tail end of the herd they were moving up the mountain and we were trying to intercept them wind was good and uh got up there to where you had the close calls last year you tried to draw back and the bull caught you yeah right there pretty much the same okay. exact tree yeah and uh we were looking at that huge bull that we had seen with brad and you had it 50 See, i yards. saw him again so we were calling to him again okay he was out in the prairie about 200 yards from us with one cow it was like he may have a chance just with just one yeah yeah and uh <clears throat> we were calling to him and all of a sudden we hear this bull bugle down below us about 300 yards like far enough where you really don't think about it yeah and brad calls 45 seconds minute later and he's like 150 yards ah and then it's all panic because he's going straight to brad who's behind <laughs> us and the bull's to our right so he's not going to be in bow range brad yeah. starts running behind us and um he gets per- almost where he needs to be and calls again and the bull's like 100 yards yeah and finally see his legs coming through the trees and he takes off running and he's coming straight to troy i mean sprinting excitement he gets to 10 yards and troy's trying to draw back and he sees troy draw back and the bull was so rutted up he hung around long enough troy had a mouth call in which is huge when you're bow hunting it is the bull sees troy tries to take off troy stopped him meow he looks around, no good shot. He tries to take off again. Troy, meow. That time he stopped broadside at like 20 yards. Gracious. Troy just drills him. How far was he the first time he stopped him? Within 10. Wow. Yeah. Hey, I mean, he was running right at us. Yeah. And it, it's probably, yeah. Like me and Troy are five yards apart. He was going to split us. Like wow. Like come right through the middle of us the way he was going. <laughs> Like, it got intense. <laughs> if, if he hadn't seen Troy, like, come out from behind a tree, because he's coming from the opposite side or set up. So he had to move. Yeah, he had yeah. to get it from behind a tree. If he hadn't seen Troy, he would have came within two feet of me. That's wild. Yeah. But <laughs> Troy killed him, and that was the end of New Mexico hunting. End of New Mexico hunting. Yep. That was awesome. Sounds like a good trip. Sounds like a great trip. Yeah. It was, it was it lit up after you left yeah well i mean shoot it's hard to say lit up because like i mean you had some really good hunts but well like i killed and then you killed the very next day yeah you know as far as just like all day bugling then going crazy which we knew we knew that was gonna happen Mm -hmm. i was hoping that was what was gonna happen in arizona spoiler alert it didn't yeah yeah you have those here's my like my biggest honestly here's my biggest takeaway from from that arizona hunt we hunted a full seven days full seven days my biggest takeaway is at 69 years old wilbur can still hike his tail off oh yeah he was getting around better this year than i've seen him in the last three or four i told him that yeah i told the the when we were all done i said i said will you've never not been able to keep up like you've always done good but here's the way like you know how it goes carrying that camera especially like you walk under something like a low-hanging branch it snags that shotgun mic and it comes falling off mm-hmm. and it's hanging so that happened right and we had just started walking like we had we had we had taken a break i think and we get back up start walking because we heard a bull bugle and the thing flies off and so i'm like <sighs> so i take my i stop take my camera off and i look up and will's hiking i'm like i'll catch up to him 
So I go and I like fix my, my, my shotgun mic back up, throw my camera back on my shoulder. I look up. I'm like, crap, where'd he go? <laughs> like he, I'm, he had some top speed yeah. this year. Like it was, it was impressive. It's what getting, taking care of yourself does. Uh-huh. You know, he, gets, he gets around just like me and you do he, pretty much. He's, yeah, it was, and I mean, he got tired, which we all did. Cause I mean, we was booking it. I think we had one, we had one day. Uh, I think the highest mileage day we had was like 12.3 or something like that. Um, which again, I mean, like, I don't want the, the Western backcountry guys, but that's nothing with 69 years old. No. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was very, it was impressive. Uh, we gave it full effort, had a great time. Um, never in my life have I battled winds like that. Um, uh, never in my life have i we, we had the, the wind got us several times just yeah. switching man and just, we were just talking about that before we left like that is probably the most important thing of elk hunting is wind yeah everything you do is based on the wind everything. every decision that's what it's a it's a way more play for keeps kind of game and there's so like it, you have to put so much more effort in physically most of the time to get yourself in a situation yeah. and then you may have to walk two miles out of the way to go around the wind we had and and you're at the mercy of something that you have zero control over mm-hmm. and when it's good it's good you know um but it it was switching and that was the that was the biggest point of frustration was the wind i mean like the elk not going super crazy bugling like obviously you wish they were rutting harder but you can't do anything about that and they were still they're bugling enough where they were killable yeah but the wind you you ain't catching any breaks there like you know and an elk is not gonna walk through your wind stream he's just not and the thing about elk um not so much the bulls when they're really rutted up they don't really pay that much attention to it now that it'll keep them from coming in yeah but if those lead cows and stuff catch you're that done. human scent they're you're you're done. not talking about them running 150 yards and settling down you're talking about them running miles you're done in, in certain cases and i think <sighs> I, who knows because I you know I'm so it was a very new area to me because we'd never been there before, but like we were hunting state ground in Arizona, right? And it was kind of the like when I went to when I went to Unit Nine with Brad last year, you know you hear these stories these folks especially non-residents they're waiting twenty years to draw this tag, yeah. And so you're thinking, albeit government land or state land, whatever you want to you know you're thinking it's still going to be fairly not overly pressured because you, don't it, think, you think a limited draw tag is going to have limited people yeah dude there were so many people like uh and, and not as much that we saw some hunters like not a not just where it was impossible like it wasn't a discouraging amount of hunters but there was a lot of hunters there was campers all over that ground recreators recreational campers everywhere and then there was uh cow hunters so like that i mean you're in there bow hunting for an elk and then there's there's just cow hunters and so you gotta think with that amount and there's road traffic because there's road access all over those units you gotta think with that amount of road access that just that amount of people on one piece of ground with all that wind blowing every which way these elk these elk are smelling humans 
constantly. Yeah. So it it made it. Or probably a basket case from because they go all summer and probably not smelling and seeing all those people and then yeah. the fall gets here and they're like well, bam. Yeah. It made it difficult for sure. But Stanky it was a, people. Yeah. It made it, it made it it was interesting but it was I mean it was a fun hunt we saw. I don't know if I told you this. I mentioned it like the the best opportunity we had at a at a good, solid, mature bull. Uh, we were working a bull in front of us. We're kind of down in this little like a shot like a shallow canyon. Not got you know not a steep canyon at all. Just kind of a sh- more of like a. It's not a canyon. Um, uh, it's like a drainage. Mm-hmm. A pretty you know fairly shallow drainage. We're kind of down at the bottom of it, working a bull out in front of us wheel bugles and a bull bugles behind us like sub 100 yards mm. they hadn't made a peep mm-hmm. and all of a sudden wheel bugles and just and we're like oh crap so i immediately like ease my head around and see from the direction that he bugled albeit close there was a lot of cover and so i go to spinning around and Right when I'm getting spinning around, I can catch flashes of him moving through that thick stuff. I'm like, all right, there he is. And he, we're hoping that he was going to cut between us and our guide, Titan, and head down to this little wallow that we could see. But instead of doing that, he stayed up on the side hill and walked. We've actually got the cell phone video because Titan filmed him on his phone. He came within like five feet of Titan. Mm. So Will had a shot. But his shot would have sent an arrow like three feet by Titan's head. Yeah. So obviously, no go. You know. Uh, but that was pretty wild. It was a the, it, it was a fun trip. You know, you don't kill him every time. That was the the you know, people think because of the the legend that Will has garnered. You know, people just assume Will kills one every time he goes. But even yeah. even Will has tough hunts. Yep, that just happens. So does, but now the elk season's behind us. It's yep. Time to get going with deer. Kudzu time. Yep, I'm finna, finna load up the trailer. We got seed, primo seed to load up and get that done here next week or so, and we're going to start hunting here pretty quick. Pretty quick. As soon as the season opens, we'll probably go a few times and try to get everything else done in the month of October that we need to get done in hopes of the rut coming around. Hopes of the rut. Yep um but anyhow guys yeah that's gonna conclude our elk talks for 2021 next time you hear us we'll probably be focusing more on those whitetail critters that everyone seems to get so keyed up about we got a lot going on here and we're moving offices yeah something probably a few people know about it or whatever but we're moving locations yeah. got us a new office building about 20 miles away so got a lot going on it's hectic yeah, yeah there's a lot going on you don't even have a desk anymore i do not i have no desk it's been I it walked, got moved while i, I, I was away. in the building when we came in i was like yes they finally fired like they got rid of his desk <laughs> <laughs> forrest sent me that while we were gone but uh yeah a lot going on but all good things all good things anyhow guys uh we're gonna sign off thank y'all for listening to us we'll catch y'all back here last next week And as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.